the baseball pastor, today on the Ultimate Ground Rules. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Welcome to The Ultimate Ground Rules, a podcast built specifically to encourage, empower, and strengthen the faith of coaches as they live out their God-given purpose to develop the next generation of leaders. And now, your host, Dave Pritchard. Hello and welcome to The Ultimate Ground Rules. I am your host, Dave Pritchard. Thanks for taking some of your valuable time to join the show today. As always, if you enjoy the show, please take a moment to like, share, and subscribe as it helps others find us. Also, reviews help, so don't hesitate to leave a review with the podcast provider of your choice. Recently, I sat down with Brad Burns, also known as the Baseball Pastor. Currently, Brad serves as the head baseball coach at Pleasure Ridge Park High School in Louisville, Kentucky. Over the years, he has worked at multiple levels in baseball and has served in full-time ministry as a pastor. His experience has provided him with a unique perspective that focuses on serving those around him well. Brad hits a home run, and I have no doubt that you will benefit as the Ultimate Ground Rules presents The Baseball Pastor. All right, hey guys, today I'm here with Brad Burns. Uh, maybe you might know him as The Baseball Pastor. Uh, excited to have you on, Coach. Just some cool stuff I ran across this summer. Uh, with your website. I think I ran across you on Twitter and just a cool little ministry. Excited to have you on. Appreciate you having me, man. It's uh, it's good to be with you. Obviously, baseball and the Lord are, are my two, aside from my family, my two greatest passions. I used to tell people uh, at the church that I pastored for several years, I said, I, you know, I grew up, I only know two things and that's Jesus and baseball. And that's it. Those are the two things I know. And so I try not to talk a lot about anything else because I'm out of my depth when I do. But, uh, man, you know, the Lord's blessed me with, uh, with the opportunity to do some ministry and do some coaching through all that. So, man, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, so you can, I guess, just feel free to talk about whatever you want. But I'm curious just if you would share a little bit about your history, you know, just how you might maybe you got into coaching, how you got into the ministry, and how you, uh, I guess, came to that point where you really, I mean, I'm going to blend these two things together. Yeah, it, it was all pretty natural, you know. Honestly, I, I, I there wasn't a, a lot of intentionality to blend those two. My my journey, of course, you know, began years ago with the Lord. I, you know, came to to know Jesus when I was eight years old, and uh, was blessed to to grow up in a home where where the Bible was taught, and my parents helped me understand. And I, I remember. Uh, just being broken as an eight-year-old, you know, as as much as you can be, just knowing I was a sinner in need of a savior, and and throw myself on the on the mercy of the Lord, and 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 then growing up playing baseball, it was just always part of my life. It was it was the only sport that I played uh, past middle school. You know, I I didn't even play on the middle school basketball team. I just played in the church league, and so after that, baseball was it. And so I was blessed to to play in a great program in high school, and then uh, get the opportunity to play. Uh, college baseball. And, and from there, I, I went straight into coaching uh, out of college. I, I got a degree in education and went into teaching and coaching uh, actually at the school where I coach now. This was right out of college. Did that for about four years and, and just really felt a nagging from the Lord that, you know, I, I was to be in a more uh, focused ministry role and had an opportunity at that point 
uh, about 16, 17 years ago now to to go uh, into full-time vocational ministry at my home church, which was also a blessing, uh, a soft place to, to start and to land. And I was a youth pastor there for about four years, uh, spent one year at a church plant as a youth pastor, and then spent 11 years as a, as a senior pastor in Murray, Kentucky. And so all along the way, I was getting some education and getting some experience and so on and still coaching. And so uh, I have four children. And, and so I've coached at every level now from T-ball to Division One college baseball. I've coached at, at every level in between wow. because that's just happened to be uh, where my kids were or where an opportunity arose. And so uh, that's kind of my, my, my journey. Coaching has always been something I'd love to do. I love being around young people and enjoy trying to teach them life on and off the field. And, and so the baseball pastor ministry really kind of evolved out of me just writing some blog posts. Honestly, it just became something that I, I was writing a little bit here and there and kind of piddling with it, honestly. And, and it became something that I got more consistent at. And it just, I guess it kind of happened. I, I decided uh, to, to call myself baseball pastor on Twitter. And that's kind of where it got started. Because as I said, I've only known two things, and that's Jesus and baseball. And I was a pastor at the time and coaching, and I thought, well, that works. So uh, that, that's kind of how it got started. And and that's been about 10 or 11 years ago now. And, and uh, you know, it's nothing that I do full time. The, the baseball pastor ministry is a is a labor of love. It is a it's a nonprofit organization. That's what it's for uh, to try to spread, uh, you know, the gospel of Jesus through the game. And so that, that's kind of how it got there. And, and hopefully the Lord uh, will continue to bless it. I've seen some cool things come out of it and be able to, to be involved with uh, with some different people from the major league level down to, you know, wow. the high school and youth levels. And so it's amazing how the Lord puts stuff like that in your path. But uh, honestly, just trying to follow his lead in those things. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that, if you know, if you have the work that you say, you know what? If I could do anything, it wouldn't matter if I made any money at it or not. This is what I would do, and, and that's what the baseball pastor ministry is for me. That's cool. So you obviously, you, you said, you know, the intent is to share the gospel, but, you know, what would you, what's the goal of the baseball pastor? I guess if you uh, if you had to really pinpoint it, you know, outside of the generic, I yeah, want to spread the gospel, but what are you really trying to target? Absolutely. My My goal is... And it's stated just kind of in the tagline, it's to equip players and coaches for life on and off the field. And I think to expand on that, what I have seen, um, well, I, let me say this. I, I think it is is really meant to encourage and equip coaches uh, to be the right kind of people. And honestly, in one sense, toward the players, it's to rescue players. And and what I mean by that is I've seen uh, through through the years, and I think certain guys would have needed to be rescued from me years ago until the Lord kind of smacked me around a little bit and, and helped me grow up. But I've seen so many players that that are playing under coaches who who really, I'm not sure if they, it's not that they don't know what they're doing because they can be very, very good baseball guys, but uh, but just have a, have a way of going about things that I think wind up hurting the player more than helping him. And so that that's really the target toward players. But honestly, what I've seen in coaches, uh, is really a, a, a either an ignorance or a hunger. I think there's an ignorance that exists where we're just not really aware of what we're doing. We don't do it very intentionally, and and then there's there's also a hunger. I think from a lot of the the coaches that I've encountered to really do a good job. I, I don't think 
I don't think there's a majority of coaches, although we take a bad you know rap sometimes. I don't think there's a majority of coaches who say, you know what, I don't care how I treat players and so on. I think most guys really want to do a good job, and and so that's where it comes from. That, that's that's the goal is truly to equip players and coaches for life on and off the field to to be on the field who you're supposed to be to try to get better at what we do, but off the field, uh, you know, to be the right kind of person and and to build relationships that last far beyond when we're together as player and coach. And you know, I had the good fortune of playing for a guy who did that for me. I played for for a guy in high school uh, in particular who who was great about that. And we we became we had a lifelong relationship. It started when I was 14 years old as a freshman. And I wound up having the privilege of doing his funeral, uh, you know, nearly 30 years later. And so, you know, that that's where where I come from is I want to be able to to see players and coaches build those kinds of relationships with one another. I know it's not possible in every case, but right. that's really what I believe that that this ministry is targeted toward uh, and, and hopefully will help with. That's that's awesome. Um I kind of feel similar to you in in the fact that you know this this podcast kind of started. I'm a really bad journaler, man. <laughs> and it's one thing that I wish I was better at because I think I think every coach would feel that way. Where I mean, this is my 18th year of coaching, and you know, if I had started from day one, I I, I know I've got a book in there, but uh, no doubt, I'm just not very good at writing stuff down. But this podcast kind of came about with it was just me vocalizing some thoughts out loud. You know, it was it was really it's really for me. Well, I tell you what, honestly, I, I, I would echo that 100 percent. You know, I, I, I'm back in I'm back in full time education and full time coaching now. I'm, I'm a classroom teacher again after 16 years of, of ministry and, and, and full time in the church. But it wasn't that long ago that I told my church uh, when I would preach these sermons to them, whatever that sermon right. was, I said, look, this is for me. I prepare every sermon Absolutely. as if I'm just getting ready to preach it to myself. And so the things that that I have published or whatever you want to call it through baseball pastor ministry, it's all either a lesson for me, something I learned the hard way or a reminder of, dude, you have got to do it this way. You've got to do it better. And and that's I, man, I'd echo that. I think that's that's the you know, that's where it becomes genuine, really, is I'm just expressing here's some things the Lord's taught me and and hopefully it can help somebody else. Absolutely. So as a coach, uh I'm not a real big fan of the whole this is my life verse thing, but as a coach, you know, what kind of scriptures do you cling to that just really motivates you and I guess really encapsulate what you're trying to accomplish? You know, man, I there are there are two well, let me say this. There are three episodes of leadership in the Bible that stand out to me more than anything. There's one when Moses uh, it encounters the, the the group of people that he has been charged to lead, worshiping a golden calf, and, and he goes back up on the mountain, and God basically mm-hmm. says, Moses, I'm done with these people. I'm starting over, and I'm going to build a nation through you. And Moses, in that moment, says, if you're going to take them out, take me out too. And he mm-hmm. identifies with the people that God has given him, and he says, I will die with them if I have to. If that's what it takes, I will give my life for the people that I'm serving. That's one of them. Uh, another is when Jesus is about to partake in the Last Supper with his disciples. And they all walk into the room and no one wants to, 
to call out the elephant in the room, and that is they have dirty feet and there's no servant there to wash their feet. And of course, it was it was below them, obviously, to do that. And Jesus, it just it doesn't say that in in John 13 that he says anything. It just says that he takes a towel, wraps it around his waist, gets a basin, fills it with water, and begins to wash their feet. And and it's in that moment that he knows that he's washing the feet of people who will either betray him, deny him, or all run away from him. And so he, but he does it anyway. He loves them and he serves them anyway. And then a third, a third vision of leadership for me that stands out is Jesus on the cross when he looks out at the crowd that had just uh, nailed him to the cross after beating him, after spitting on him, after mocking him, and he cries out to his father, Father, forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. And so those three things to me, those are the episodes in the Bible that I go back to as a leader, as a coach and say, you know what, that's the model. That's, that's what I'm, that's what I have to live up to. That's that it's not, you know, I can do all things through Christ who, you know, gives me strength. Of course, that's always taken out of context anyway. Um, That could be one, but Paul's talking about learning to be content. So maybe that's another good coaching verse is learning to be content where you are. Uh, But at the same time, those three, those three episodes model for me, the kind of leadership that I, that I want to attain, the kind of leader that I want to be one day, the kind that identifies uh, and is willing to die for the people that you're serving, the, the kind that, that does what nobody else is willing to do, the, that, you know, it's below you. And then the one that says, you know what, no matter what they do, uh, I, I will uphold my end of the bargain. The, I guess those three would be for me what I, what I cling to. Yeah, well, I don't know if we can live up to those. We don't need any more than those three, do we? <laughs> That's a full-time job. I'm telling you, it's every day they smack me in the face. Oh, it's it's it is. There's no doubt. I'm not, I don't do a very good job with it. Um, you know, that's for sure. So you you talked about, you know, having an opportunity to coach at a bunch of different levels. This is a selfish question for me, but I think a lot of people will sure. benefit. Uh I'm I'm real curious about coaches and you talk about, you know, prepping guys on the field, off the field. And and what are some things and maybe, you know, looking at your new job here, there's some things that you anticipate being able to do, but what are, what are some unique ways that you want to try to use your program or have in the past to try to, to try to impact guys? You know, it's going to sound very basic and almost cliche, but, but my goal is to build a relationship with each and every one of my players so that I can understand what they need and try to provide it. And, you know, in, in some cases, I just I give you a case in point. You know, okay. I've encountered players in the past who have have for whatever reason developed a bad reputation, and you mm-hmm. you inherit those guys. And I did with this job that I've got now inherited some guys like that. And in the past, you know, they have done things or not done things to earn that reputation. And so my my goal has been, and and again, not not that I do it perfectly by any means, but my goal has been to try to figure out, okay. What went wrong? Uh, what does this player need from from a human standpoint? You know, just from being a person. What are they missing in their life that I can help with? Um, and so that that for me that that's what I attempt to try to do every day. Um, and and I think earning the right to then speak things into their life or to be asked a question. Because I, I think sometimes we, we have these romantic views of what it's going to be like standing up in front of our teams and 
winning them all to the Lord. I just, you know, that those stories only happen in, in some movies, you know, that that's just not usually the way it goes. Usually it's going to be that text that you get at, you know, at, at 11 o'clock at night, coach, Hey, you know, I I'm going through something. Can we talk tomorrow? Hey, all right. Absolutely. You know, that's, yes, that that's, so I don't really go at it from a, from a formal here's, here's guys, here's all the things we're going to do. Um, you know, right now, uh, you know, my guys know that I came from being a pastor for 16 years. They know that, uh, they're, right. they, they understand, but I, I don't make a big issue of it. Um, I simply try to love them as I believe the Lord has loved me and then try to earn the right to have them ask me a question or to ask mm-hmm. for, uh, involvement in their life. And so I think that's a much more complicated process. Um, Although it sounds just basic, Um, you know, I I want to make sure that I don't stop with simply having, you know, a character coach or a five minute talk or whatever. We just try to weave into what we're doing. Here's 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 equipping for life on and off the field, guys. This is this is beyond baseball. Uh, You know, this is something that's going to carry you way past when you graduate from high school and your career is over here. So. You know, I, I, again, that sounds kind of basic, but I, that's really my goal is to try to build a relationship with these guys to earn the right to be heard and then to, to be a guy that they know I can count on that guy. I can, I can call him. I, you know, I, I can text him. I can catch him after practice. We can talk and I can trust him. That, that to me mm-hmm. is the kind of relationship I'm trying to build with my guys. Yeah, so maybe you answered my my next question already, but maybe not. This is uh, I think this is a tough one, and we could talk about we could talk about culture all day. I know it's kind of a buzzword sure. in in the coaching circles right now, yep. but even just culture from a societal standpoint is uh, I think headed in a scary direction. But with yeah. that with that said, what do you think? You know, I'm and I'm talking about specifically the high school kids. So you've got the 14 to 18 year old. What what does he need most yep. from a coach? I think, uh, let me phrase it this way. I, I, I was talking with a friend of mine, a coaching friend the other day, and, I, and I, I told him, I said, I think the greatest risk that a coach will take is actually care about his players. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think it's much easier to keep a distance. I think it's much easier to yell and scream and cuss. Uh, right. I think it's much easier to tell them, do what I said because that's what I said to do, and – we sort of have this role where I'm the coach, you're the player. Uh, essentially, I'm above you, you're below me. And I think the greatest risk that coaches will take is to actually care about their players as people. And I don't say that cynically as if people don't. I'm just, I, I just, you know, I feel that every day. And and so I, I think, you know, when it comes to creating culture and providing what guys need, I honestly, from what I have seen. I think guys just need somebody to treat them with care and respect and love. And I, I think those are basic human needs. And I think, I think sometimes what, what I have found anyway is that'll, that we can easily forget that they are people and not just our players. And it's not, uh, it's not, right. okay, I'm going to coach you so that you will play well for me. Well, it, it's beyond that. We're, we're in this together. Um, you know, we, we have we have three things that that I kind of identify as what makes our culture special at our at our school and our program. And it's not anything I created. It's what I inherited. It's what was there long before me. It's what I got to play under when I played for my alma mater years ago. 
And those three things come down to family character and hard work. And for me, the family part of it is we're in this together. We're on the same team. We're the same uniform. And so I am here for you. Um, my role as the coach, uh, to me, is the lead servant. And that sounds, man, that sounds so cliche and buzzwordy, but I, I just believe in it. I'm the lead servant in the program. Uh, I'm not the guy who, who says, well, this is my way or the highway. Uh, that can work for guys, but it just doesn't work for me. So, you know, th- we're in it together. What we do, we celebrate one another as best we can. And, you know, I had to get on them this summer about some things that we were doing. They just picking at each other and getting personal. And and it's not just not just getting on guys like guys do. You know, we that that's it's not a, a you know touchy feely kind of thing. We're just you know kumbaya all the time. That's not it. We let them have fun and, and kind of mess with each other and all that. But they were getting personal. So guys, we're done with it. We're not. That's not, you wear the same uniform. We're not doing it anymore. Uh, and then character for me, you know, it's it's be be who you're supposed to be on and off the field. Be you know. I, I've heard it said before, my old high school coach used to say, you can't count on the guys you can't count on. So be a guy I can count on. And, and you know, character is just, you know, it, man, it's, it's who you are. And we try to help them understand that who you are matters more than what you can do for us on this baseball field. And, mm. uh, and, and we try to, to make sure to talk about, to talk with them and to target who they are. And then hard work. I, you know, I just think that's one of the things that, that we, that guys need. They need hard work. They need to see that, that they put time in and they get stronger. They get better. They, their field looks nicer because they worked on it or whatever. So, you know, I, I guess for me, I, I start with what do they need? That's love. That's care. That's respect just because they exist. And then from there, we can build into them. We can draw out of them the things that contribute to a good culture for everybody, family, character, hard work. Yeah, man, you're one step ahead of me here. Uh, I'm, I'm curious what you had to say about this. One thing that I've really felt a burden uh, about, an issue I've felt a burden about probably in the last five or so years, is, and, I, and I think it's just progressively getting worse, and I've actually had a chance to coach my my 10-year-old son for the last couple summers, and we've just dabbled in, uh, I guess, what you could consider travel baseball, nothing, nothing big time. So I imagine, mm-hmm. you know, when paying a lot of money it, gets, it only gets worse but this this issue oh, yeah. of identity and you know how easy it is to see some of my especially older high school guys it, it can be easy for them to get wrapped up in you know my identity is is who I am as a baseball player and if I don't play sure. well and there's this pressure from maybe it's from parents maybe it's from friends maybe it's just a pressure up on myself or this this whole idea of you know I think I want to play at the next level and if I don't play well, that's not going to happen. And so I wrap my whole identity up in in what I do on the field. And I, and I think that's a big trap uh, that, quite honestly, I, f- I feel like a responsibility as a coach to to battle that head on. And so, you know, what are some tips or some advice that you would give to guys, you know, in that arena of, of how do we, I guess, how do we get across to our players because you know, we're the ones we're you know we want to win and we're and we're pressing guys to be the best they can be. But hey, man, this is this is this is not who you are. You know, there's way more to you than the baseball player. Yeah, I, I, that, I, <laughs> there's so much to be said about that. My goodness, um, I, I see it and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think it is a huge issue. I think it's it's an extremely detrimental issue for our young people. Uh, let, let me put it in terms of, of what what we're 
attempting to do what we saw this summer with our with our high school guys for the short period of time that we were able to have some voluntary workouts. I I, I inherited, uh, or well, we just received a group of incoming freshmen who have all grown up uh, for the most part playing in the in you know call it the travel ball scene or, or whatever. But it's it's a high pressure environment wherever they've been. It has been uh, don't make a mistake, do what you've been told to do. Uh, and so what we've got is a bunch of guys who are scared to mess up and who are programmed that they only know to do these things because that's what the coach or the parent or whomever has taught them to do. And what we wound up finding was that we have a lot of guys who are not as concerned about winning. They don't want to win as much as they right. just don't want to be blamed for losing. Yep. <laughs> and so if they can simply do what they've been programmed to do, then they can say, well, I did what you told me to do, so you can't blame me. You can't yell at me. So what we did was I talked a lot about that. I told them, I said, guys, we, we are going to beat this out of you. I said, it's going away. You know, you guys have grown up in this where your 11U travel coach's ego was on the line in that game, and so you made a mistake and he yelled and screamed at you, and now you're scared to death to do anything wrong. I said, so we're, you know, we're going to beat that fear out of you and we're going to beat out of you the programming that says I can only do these things. So we talk a lot about it. Number one, we have to, we identify those issues. And, and as a high school coach, you know, I tell them, um, you know, look, I don't care what you've done to this point. I don't care if you're the travel ball star or if you never played a game of travel ball, if you weren't even on the all-star team or anything, I don't care. What you do from this point forward is what I'm evaluating you on. But you're always being evaluated, but that's not just baseball. So we talk a lot about those things. I think as a coach, if you know, a piece of advice would be talk about it, call it out, and say, "Look, guys, this is the deal." And I think as a coach, if if you're the one that has created that environment of fear, of trepidation, of I don't want to make a mistake, of pressure, I think you got to own that. I think you got to own it and say, "Look, this is my fault. What what have I done, guys, that has created this for you?" And I and I think your players can can tell you. I, our guys know this. That if that if I say, does anybody have a question, then I truly mean it. Does anybody have a question? And they can ask anything they want to. And sometimes, of course, they ask the dumbest things in the world. And I have to tell them, OK, that, that was stupid. Don't ask that again, you know, because it's just some oddball off the, you know, off the wall thing. <laughs> but I tell them, guys, I expect you to ask questions. I want you to understand this. I don't want you to do it because I told you to do it. You've got to understand it. So I think talking about it, having an open forum for discussion is part of it. I think I think the coach who can coach without an ego is going to create a better culture than the one who lives and dies with every single thing that his players do. I, I just, yeah. you know, I, 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 I don't I don't say that from a point of strength all the time. I say that from a point of truth. I just think that's the right thing. Um but but all, so so those are some things that I think from from a standpoint of what can the coach do sort of in a, a a talking off the field, if you want to call it that now on the field. Let me let me share something that we did this summer that I thought was helpful. We we did a couple of things and they involved our primarily our outfielders, but but they but it was for everybody. So this would be some on the field tips. Give this a shot. See if it works. See how it would work in your program or, or wherever. Uh, one of the things that we we didn't do is we did not allow the infielders to communicate with the outfielders. So, for example, when when a ball is hit between the shortstop and the second baseman with a runner uh, at first base and it goes to the center fielder, 
the infielders were not allowed to tell the center fielder where to throw the ball. So he had to know ahead of time, where should I go with this ball? I can't depend on those infielders to tell me. What is that? That's programming. We, we said, no, you will know ahead of time. And so if an infielder communicated with an outfielder, we got on the infielder. Stop telling him what to do. That's all he's ever been told is what to do. So stop telling him. Let him figure it out. And if they throw to the wrong base, then we go coach him to say, hey, okay, you threw that ball right there to second base. Guess where that guy – guess where the next play was? Well, uh, third base. Yeah, okay, where might you should have thrown the ball? Ah, oh, third base. Okay, now next time you know, right? Okay, yeah. So we didn't let the infielders continue to program the outfielders. That was also tough on our infielders because guess what? They're having to say, what if this guy doesn't throw it to the right base? I better be where I'm mm-hmm. supposed to be in order to back this up or whatever. So that was one thing that we did. A second thing that we did was we did not allow our outfielders to hit a cutoff man. And what, what that involved was they had to, let's say there's a single to right field with nobody on. The, the right fielder typically will come up and toss it 20 feet to the second baseman who then tosses it another 30 feet to the shortstop as if the right fielder can't throw the ball 50 feet. So right. we, we said throw it all the way to the base. We wanted them to gain the confidence that they could stop that runner with their throw, not just mm-hmm. hope I'm off the hook. I gave it to the cutoff man. So those were a couple of things that we did that we found, I think anyway, helped our, our outfielders in particular because it was mainly outfielders. But it also just, you know what, it, it guys, remove the fear. Go and throw the ball. It's okay. If you throw it to the wrong base, you throw it to the wrong base. Guess what? Will you do it again? Probably not. But if you do, figure it out. Um, I, from, from another standpoint, real quick, with some base running, we told our guys take every extra base, every single one of it. If that guy slows down fielding the ball in the outfield, if he bobbles it for a second, you go. If you get thrown out, guess what? You got thrown out, but I'm going to applaud you because you were aggressive. Remove the fear. So those yes. things, and I, I hope that that all made sense, but those were some things on and off the field kind of stuff, talking and doing that we did that I think can build into something that will be helpful for guys. Awesome. Let's talk about those freshmen. You mentioned those freshmen. So let's Mm. talk about those freshmen. If you, you know, you've got four years with those kids. And so hypothetically, let's say that you, you know, you coach them their entire career. And, you know, you're sitting there at the end of May or June and you're watching them graduation and watching them go across the stage. You know, at that point, as you're watching that, them get their diploma, you know, what is it that you really hope you've accomplished? Uh, You know, I hope that they are the greatest servant leaders in our school. I think that's plain and simple. I think that's it. I I think I hope they come out looking after guys who get picked on. I hope they come out with a, with a, a, an understanding about life that maybe they wouldn't have gotten had they not played baseball in our program for four years. And ultimately I, I want them to be, to serve one another. I want them to serve other people. And I, and I, I hope that that is what they first see in us as coaches from our coaching staff, that we're there to serve them and that they exist for somebody besides themselves. And, you know, we're a public school, so it's not going to be where, you know, I'm preaching to them every day or something. I I understand, you know, how that works. But at the same time, uh, that would be my goal is that those guys walk across that stage and people recognize that they they have helped our school by being servant leaders. I think that would be my ultimate goal for them. So you've coached for a good little bit. Uh, you know, you told us a little bit about your history, but if you look back to, to when you started and then to where you are now, what do you think the biggest lessons you've learned as a coach are? 
I, I think I will put it, <clears throat> I put it in terms of, of what I asked the, my, my old coach, uh, and his name was Bill Miller. When I asked Coach Miller years ago, uh, when I started coaching for him, I was 22 years old and was very eager uh, and thought I knew everything and was was still pretty fiery and crazy, to be quite honest with you. And, you know, if our infielders weren't, you know, practicing well, I, you know, I'm throwing fungos all over the field and losing my mind. And, you know, and so that was me as a 22-year-old assistant coach who needed something to prove, I guess. But uh, I, I was I, I coached for four years in that capacity and then went into full-time ministry. And so my, my coaching was more part-time and more coaching my kids at that point. But I, I went back to him and I and I asked him something years ago, uh, years later, I should say. And I and I, I said, Coach, I said, if I ever get back into coaching full time again, what would what would be your advice for me? And he just looked at me and he said, Burns, he said, just calm down, man. Just <laughs> calm down. And I think for me, the the greatest lesson that I learned was to calm down. I, I really do. I I think I've learned that you can't live and die with every single thing. At least you can't express that all the time. Right. And so you may live and die on the inside, but maybe if it just doesn't come out, maybe you're winning a battle right there. Maybe you're you're gaining some victory over that impulse that you you want to chuck that fungo like I did when I was 22. But I think that's it, honestly, is man, just just calming down. And I don't know that that just comes with age. I I think I think the Lord has, has been gracious to me to put some people in my path who have been good examples of that, who, you know, who, who honestly have been bad examples of that. And I've seen the, the downside to it. And, oh, Lord, please don't let me do that. You know, don't let me be like that. And and so I think that's it. I think there's there's a, a deeper a deeper level of patience and endurance and a, a willingness to stick with things, uh, because honestly, you know, if, if, if we're being truthful you know, me throwing that fungo and telling those infielders to get off the field, that that's just me being immature and quitting. That, that's what it is. I just quit. And, you know, you guys aren't living up to what I think you should do, and so I'm done with you. Well, that that they didn't, you know, they didn't quit. I did. And so I, I think I think for me, you know, calming down and, and being willing to say, I'm, I'm not going to quit on these guys. I'm not giving up. And and I think those those to me would be the two greatest lessons that I that I've continued to learn. And and so I, I you know, now I I don't get real crazy anymore. I don't get too high. I don't get too low. Uh, those things may happen internally. But I, I want to make sure that as the leader of the program, that that our guys know that they can count on me uh, if they get too high. I can help bring them back down. If they get too low, I can bring them up. And. Uh, you know, that that to me would, would be what I guess stands out as something I've learned over over these years of coaching. Well, the last the last six months have definitely been interesting uh, with, with all the COVID stuff going on. You're the first guy that I've had a chance to ask this question to. And maybe I mean, you can answer it from a personal yeah. standpoint or from a coaching standpoint. But, you know, with all that's gone on and just all the things that have changed and the way that our lives have been turned upside down to some extent. You know, what has that taught you? Oh goodness! Uh, <laughs> so many things. I, I think ultimately, it it's taught me that you know, and I think everybody would say this. You know, I I am not in control of this, and I'd better learn to deal with that. And how I respond to circumstances outside my control, I think, really reveal my heart. And I think that's what it's taught me. It, it's 
you know, we can all say, well, you know, we just realize we're not in control. Okay, that's great. We, I think outright we, we kind of understand that. But I think it reveals, my reaction to that reveals my heart. And it reveals whether or not I'm living out what, what Jesus talked about when he, you know, when he said in Matthew chapter 6, you know, I tell you, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Um, you know, I, it's what Paul said in Philippians, be anxious about nothing but pray about everything. And I, I think, you know, as an internalizer, I think those things have been huge lessons for me. Um, I also think what it's taught me is to never take for granted uh, the the interactions that I have with my players. Uh, I saw one of our guys the other day who was a senior this past year who didn't get a, a senior season. And a kid who's been through a lot, just been through just various things in his life and, and some ups and downs. And and I got the chance to see him. And, and you know, we just kind of connected there for a little bit. Didn't didn't get to talk much. But, you know, it was, it was man, I, you know, the last interaction in person that he and I had had was the last day of practice back in March. And, I, man, I just hit me. I thought, boy, I don't ever take for granted, you know, any interaction. You, you, I mean, number one outright, you have no idea the impact that that particular interaction might make on that young man or that assistant coach or whomever you're talking to, that parent or whatever. But also you don't know when it could be the very last one you have. And that's not a morbid thing. It's just, goodness, I, I wasn't expecting practice in the season to be canceled. Right. And lo and behold, it was. So I, I, those would be some things that this is this has taught me from a coaching standpoint, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely caused you, give you plenty of time to pause and reflect. <laughs> no doubt. Well, and, and I'll, you know, I, I think it's, you know, when you, when you have things taken away, when you get a lot of time that is kind of uh, reflective time, and I think for a lot of people that's what this has been, um, I think so much is revealed and, and good or bad. And I've, I've had in my own heart and my mind and my life some things just revealed and kind of peeled back. And I say, well, you know, okay, those are a couple of things that I want to keep. And then here's some other things, Lord, that, man, I tell you what, I, these things can't be a part of my life anymore. And, you know, I, I think we, we, you talk about identity. I, I think we, we are face to face right now with is my identity uh, wrapped up in being a baseball coach or is it wrapped up in, in being a leader of, of young men? And, you know, is it wrapped up in being, you know, uh, uh, you know, an extension of the love and grace of Jesus in their lives? Or is it, well, I have to be a baseball coach. Well, right now, guess what? You're probably not. So uh, at least for me, that that's what I've experienced. Um, so, you know, that, I mean, there's so many lessons and, and none, none of them I, I would have asked for. I don't think anybody would have. And, and yet hopefully, prayerfully the lord will use those things to to make us different to to create in us uh you know as as the word says a, a clean heart uh so that we might be useful I, I think ultimately that's that's my my prayer is that i will emerge out of this more useful to the lord uh, or at least in his kingdom and his efforts and what he's doing and then you know then then what i was before I got one more question for you here. I'll let you uh, close it out like this. I, one of the, I guess the, the target audience that I've got for this show is uh, is young coaches. Man, I really want this to be a blessing to young coaches and and hopefully give them an opportunity to learn and and just avoid some of the mistakes that that I made and I'm sure that you made. Um, so so what would be the biggest piece of advice that you would would give young coaches? I I, I think. 
for me, it would be loving loving the players that you coach and letting them know that you do. And there are so many ways to do that. Uh, I think being faithful and showing up every day and being being the guy that that says, "Hey, man, I'm excited to be here with you." I think I think a lot of coaches probably are excited to be there for themselves because they like to coach and certainly that's part of it and they love the game and and yet it's revealed I think when we're there for ourselves and how much we like to talk about what we know and and if everybody would just listen to me everything would be great and I remember that as a 22 year old coach thinking the same thing that if everybody would listen to me I wouldn't have to throw this fungo right now because that's you know you're not <laughs> listening so I'm going to throw this fungo so that you'll really know I'm serious and you're going to listen now so yeah. you know I, I that would be I think love them and let them know I, I think that to me as simplistic as that sounds that's ultimately what's going to make a difference in those young lives and so many times we're we're caught up in the results of of you know did we win and so on and absolutely listen I you know I I love to win I don't think that there's any you know anything bad about that but at the same time I, I think also you know we have to make sure that we are we are caught up in developing uh, young men to the point where now that's our legacy you know it's not the wins and losses and the ch- and the championship rings and so on. But it's ultimately the legacy of, of young men. And and sometimes, you know, as young coaches, uh, you know, I, I know one of the things that, that messed me up years ago is I could not wait to be a head coach. I could not wait. I was so frustrated as a 23, 24-year-old assistant coach because I thought I knew better. I need to be the head coach of whatever it was. And I interviewed for two or three jobs and wound up not taking them just because it just didn't, you know, didn't feel like that was the Lord's will. But, but that's, you know, I, I think, you know, be where you are, serve the Lord, be faithful, love those young men, trust God, uh, and give it all you have. And ultimately, I go back to those three models of leadership, Moses identifying with the people, Jesus washing feet, and Jesus forgiving while he's hanging on the cross. And man, pick one of those. <laughs> pick one and see what the Lord does as you say, Lord, make me like that and, and mm-hmm. make me that kind of leader. Uh, make me that kind of coach. Um, you know, I, that to me is that's what I'm trying to do each and every day. And, and and Lord willing, that will translate into some wins on the field. But I think in the end of it, uh, if I can say, you know what, Lord, I, I was I was a little bit like Moses. I was a little bit like Jesus. Then, man, I, I, I will. I think I'll be satisfied with that. Man, well, Coach, it's been a blast. I appreciate you coming on, and I think there's a lot of good nuggets in there that guys could take away. But uh, before you leave us, if you want to, if guys want to reach out, you got an email, Twitter handle, website. Yep, absolutely. Uh, website is baseballpastor.com. You can find me on uh, Facebook. Uh, just search Baseball Pastor Ministries. Uh, Twitter and Instagram is Baseball Pastor. And uh, my email address is brad at baseballpastor.com. Thanks again for joining us on the show today. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast so we can reach as many coaches as possible with a word of encouragement. Never forget your job is important. God loves you and he has a plan for you. Continue to build tomorrow's leaders and stand firm in the faith.